Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm Doug Sweeney here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And we are once again coming to you from multiple locations as we all shelter in place here in Birmingham. We pray that you are safe, healthy, and finding joy in the Lord, even during this awful pandemic. Today's guest is a person I'm hearing more and more about these days as Christians in our region serve those suffering through this crisis. She's a Beeson alumna and a leading hospital chaplain in the Birmingham area. Thanks to generous support from some friends of our Divinity School, Beeson is making chaplaincy an even greater priority in the months and years ahead, which is one reason why we wanted to have this person on our show today. Kristen, would you please introduce today's guest, the Reverend Cecilia Walker, to our audience? I will be glad to. Hello, everyone. We have the Reverend Dr. Cecilia Walker. She is the Executive Director of Chaplaincy and Clinical Pastoral Education at Brookwood Baptist Health System. She is also an Associate Minister at Greater Shiloh Baptist Church here in the Birmingham area. And as Doug has already said, she's one of our wonderful Beeson alumna who we are so proud of. And so it is great to have you on the show today. Welcome, Reverend Walker. Thank you. Great to be here. We'd like to begin these conversations getting to know you better, uh, Cecilia. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, who are you? How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Yes, I'm the daughter of Walter Cecil and Annie Laura Walker. Both of my grandfathers were Baptist ministers and almost all of my uncles on both sides of the family. I'm married to Roy Ambrose Jr. And I have two children who are with the Lord, uh, Jeffrey and Gabrielle. Um, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. And in fact, I grew up two blocks down from Dynamite Hill, which is in the Smithville area. And it's called that because um, during the civil rights struggle, Dr. Martin Luther King used to stay there with some of the residents. And so I grew up in the midst of that climate. But I don't remember a time in my life that I haven't loved Jesus. I've been hearing about him all my life. My mother loved to say that I was born on Monday night and then the next Sunday I was at church. And I've loved being in church and being a part of everything that happened in church. Uh, my family introduced me uh, to Christ early on, and I was—I just always believed that he loved me. I always loved him. Uh, when I was nine years old, I made a public profession of faith before the church and was baptized, and then I started doing everything I could uh, to be a part of the church. Other than my family, Christ is the longest relationship that I've had with anyone, um, and I just love God. Cecilia, I bet a lot of people would be interested to learn how it is you became a hospital chaplain. When you came to Beeson to enroll as an MDiv student, did you have hospital chaplaincy in mind, or is that something that the Lord showed you he had for you more gradually? Yeah, it was actually more gradual. When um, I was called to uh, ministry, I was really tracking to get to my lifetime dream. I, as a child, I loved reading 
And in fact, I would be at the library literally all day in the summer. And the librarians would have to call out to me to find me in the stacks to close. So I had started working for the Avondale Library at that time. And I was working to get ready to go for my master's in library science and God called me into ministry. I had a conversation with him. I reminded him I'm Baptist and I'm a woman and I'm not understanding this. And I had planned to be the uh, librarian at the Smithfield Library, which is the library where I grew up at, and then to be the director of Birmingham Library System. So, I, you know, that's where I was headed. But when he called me into ministry and he insisted that he wanted me trained, I thought, okay, I don't even know anything about seminary. Never, It wasn't even on my focus because I really didn't think as a woman that there would be a place for me in ministry. But I applied to Beeson after doing some research and found out that that was here and didn't expect to get accepted, but I got accepted. Then I thought, okay, I work full time at the library. They are not gonna let me go to Beeson during the day. And so, but I'll go ask and I ask, could I be out four days during the week and come in in the afternoon and work the weekends? And my supervisor without any hesitation said yes. And so I thought, okay. And Dean George, when I came to Beeson, he said, what are you gonna do? I said, I have no idea, none. I'm just here because I know God has called me. But as I continued to go to school and I started nearing the end, I remember two very sad days in my life. One day was the day that my father died. He died at Cooper Green Hospital. And uh, my mother and I went to see him and he was tossed in this room, uncovered, in the same agonizing pose that he had died in. A couple of years later, my husband died, but he died and was at St. Vincent's Hospital. And the chaplain came and asked me, would I like to go see him? And I said, no, thinking and remembering um, my father's situation. Um, but he said, no, I, I, let's try and I'll go with you. And Jeffrey was in the room, in a bed, in his clothes, covered and looked so peaceful. And it was a way for me to say goodbye in a way that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So as I was ending up my time at Beeson and I had been hearing about others going to, you know, taking CPE, I really didn't even know where to begin. So I called that chaplain and he helped me to understand the process of getting started. And that's where it began. That's beautiful, Cecilia. Um, I love hearing about your journey. And as you said, you didn't really know where to begin. And not much about uh, what all was involved with hospital chaplaincy. And I would gauge that there are probably some listening today who know that hospitals have chaplains, but um, don't know what all is involved with that ministry. So um, could you tell us about the ministry of hospital chaplains and why chaplains are essential to the work of hospitals? Okay, sure. Yes, when I started, I had no idea of, even when I took my first unit of CPE, I had by that time completed my Master of Divinity. But once I started working in the hospital, I realized that there's a lot that goes into it. I thought that I was coming to the hospital to learn how to take care of the patient. And one of the first things you're gonna learn is about yourself, about your limitations and your vulnerabilities, but then the ministry develops into doing spiritual assessment uh, so that we learn how to join people wherever they are. We're not trying to pull people past their grief. We're trying to be with them where they are. 
Some people are at different phases when persons uh, may die. And so we learn how to just be present. We learn how to have empathic listening, um, how to create a safe space for them to just be themselves, whatever that is, uh, to be compassionate, to not have an agenda. The patient, the staff person, the family member sets the agenda and no judgment, none. Um, even though I'm Christian, I encounter people who are not Christian. There's no judgment with that. Um, I've worked with uh, people who have committed crimes, no judgment. I'm just there to be support to them. Chaplains are essential to the work in the hospital because we're clinically trained. Uh, we're on staff. We're ministers, but we're clinically trained to come alongside people and offer spiritual support in times of distress, but also in times of celebration, because people do have babies in the hospital. People have times where the prognosis isn't as bad as they thought it was gonna be, and we're able to celebrate with them. And because we're on staff at the hospital, we're able to go into places that the pastor or other clergy can't go. Um, and chaplains have been requested uh, to go into the rooms with uh, women who are having babies, uh, we go into surgeries upon request uh, with burn patients when they're being rebandaged. And I've even sang to them and, and prayed with them during that time because it's very, very painful. Um, in trauma rooms, we're in the trauma room with people uh, who've been in accidents or been you know, shot or stabbed. All those situations that a regular minister would not be able to be and we've been trained to be there so we don't pass out when we see uh, the blood and the things that we have to endure. Um, also, we sit at the bedsides of people transitioning from this life to eternity. Um, we're supportive of our doctors and nurses because sometimes the work gets hard for them and we're right there able to be present for them um, and help them when they give bad news. And the list just keeps going on. Our chaplains, uh, can stay with patients much longer than a doctor or a nurse can stay. Um, we can stay there while they cry, while they share their stories, uh, and we advocate for patients. And sometimes we even assist them in asking questions uh, to get clarity about their diagnosis or the procedure. Um, we help them to ask questions that they didn't, when they don't understand. Kristen and I know well that you're not only a chaplain yourself, but you oversee the training of lots of other hospital chaplains, and you've overseen the training of some Beeson students who wanted to become hospital chaplains. We wanted to ask you, uh, what's exciting about that for you? What do you like about the supervisory educational part of your ministry? And I bet some of our listeners would also uh, appreciate hearing from you about what it is you're looking for in terms of uh, in future hospital chaplains? When I first uh, took that first unit of CPE and I encountered the CPE educators or supervisors, I said, that is not what I want to do. I've learned, don't tell God what you don't want to do. Um, because I just didn't want to be a supervisor. I just wanted to go on the floor and see the patients. But it was so life um, affirming for me. Um, I became more self-aware than I've ever been, more accepting of myself. I've been singing Amazing Grace all my life, and it was the first time that I really understood what offering grace to myself was like. And once I learned how to accept myself better, to be more aware of myself, 
to offer myself grace, I was more gracious to people that I encountered. And so that's the thing I wanted that what I caught that 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 to teach that to somebody else or to journey with them or to see that sense of discovery, uh, man, God can use me in this one on one situation, um, because many of us think about preaching to the masses. Um, but this one on one, one person at a time as a chaplain, but now as an educator, one student at a time to see them flourish and grow and become more aware of the things that they can do. Uh, there are many things that I want to pass on to them, but I want them to learn to accept themselves and to use the gifts that God has given them wherever they are uh, with whomever they encounter. Um, now, in order to be a chaplain, uh, a person needs to be able to create a non-judgmental space, to be open, to be curious. When, when they're first starting, that's what I'm looking for, somebody who's teachable. Um, and, 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 and that doesn't mean that it's a perfect situation, that you're um, totally open or totally teachable, because when I came into CPE, I thought I knew this and that. And but the patients began to stretch me. So to be able to be willing to be stretched, um, to recognize that I don't have all of the answers and that's OK. And someone who's willing to just learn. Um, we don't when we come into CPE, we don't even know what we don't know. So um, I'm looking for somebody who's vulnerable and and willing to be humble and has a sense of humility and who truly loves God's people, just loves God's people. Um, somebody who's willing to be uncomfortable because CPE is very uncomfortable and seeing people suffer is uncomfortable, you know, and, and that can be moved, uh, people who are moved by somebody else's pain. We just finished a three-week series on the podcast uh, on our Bisa Magazine theme, Being Human, and you actually were interviewed for that issue. And so we encourage listeners, if they haven't checked it out already, to uh, uh, look at the magazine uh, site and read your interview. But in the interview that you gave, um, you shared how John 1.14 and Philippians 2.5 have shaped the way you think about what it means to be human and, respect, and how to respect another's humanity and your line of work. So I wonder if you could talk about that. How how have these verses shaped uh, the ministry you do as a chaplain? Yeah, um, John 1, 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And then Philippians, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Those scriptures really inform my ministry because every day I'm trying to be more like Christ and to have the attitude that he had, that he would leave being comfortable and get uncomfortable because he loved me, loved us so much. Um, and just that whole, the, just the whole idea of having the attitude of Christ then that this person is important to Jesus. This person is important to God. This person was created in the image of God. And that helps me to respect every person 
Um, and, 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 and when you can imagine that when you're in the hospital, um, sometimes people are in such agony. It's not personal about me. It's just what they're going through and they need to be able to be free to be exactly who they are without any pressure for me. And I learned that from Jesus. When you just see Jesus interact with people one-on-one -on -one in the scriptures, you see him letting them be who they are. And he's not pulling them in, but we're drawn to better because of Jesus. So just that whole idea that um, he came and he loves us so much um, that he's not, it wasn't comfortable, but he loved us so much that he would insinuate himself into our lives this way. Um, that's what I want, I want to do. And those scriptures really uh, inform my ministry in that way. Some of our people also remember you do for an article we published on the web on what it means to be a spiritual first responder on the ministry of hospital chaplains during COVID-19. So we thought uh, this audience might appreciate hearing a little bit from you about what you think some of the unique challenges have been for people in your line of ministry uh, during the coronavirus epidemic and, and maybe even a couple of stories about how the Lord has enabled you to minister the gospel in a special way to people at Princeton Medical Center as they've suffered uh, under COVID-19. Yeah, um, because all of our hospitals um, are having to limit our uh, personal protective equipment, chaplains have had to learn how to minister in a different way because normally we're holding hands and we're hugging people and people are crying on our shoulders, literally. Um, but with this epidem epidemic, uh, we've had to learn to minister from a distance, uh, even on the other side of a glass window. Um, some people who can even talk or hear us have to talk to us on the phone and we minister through the glass. Some um, people are not able, we can't even go into that area, that unit. So we pray at the end of the hall for the staff and pray for the patients there. Uh, family members are not allowed to come into the hospital um, and on a regular basis. You have to be at the end of life. The patient has to be at the end of life or a baby has been born. And then we escort them one at a time. Everybody is masked, nobody's hugging, nobody's holding hands. So it's taken our ministry to another level though, uh, because that skill to be able to help somebody to feel that you really get them and feel them without putting your hands on them, without using the, the normal ways that we communicate that. Um, that's been a challenge for us, but it's helped us to, to grow. Um, we've um, have people who die in the hospital and the families have not been able to be here or come uh, into the hospital, if they come, it's only one or two people who are able to come. Uh, so one of the things that I've been doing and having my staff do is to call and follow up with the families after they've returned home. Uh, and it's been amazing how the families will ask, can you uh, wait for us to gather everybody? And we pray with them over the phone. Um, there are patients now that the restrictions are being um, relaxed, some that are able to come in and have surgery, but they're still by themselves. And I've spent the last couple of days with a person who was dropped off, dropped off by her father, and she was very afraid. And so I've been there with her through the surgery, 
been with her through these several days as she the pain is subsiding um, and been able to communicate with the father to say I've seen her and yes she's she's walking the hall she's doing this we're being their eyes for them um, so um, that's been really special we've also had to minister to our staff because our staff gets you know tired it's been really hard and really draining long hours away from family so uh, our department um, brings snacks to them they love to eat so we bring snacks and foods but the other thing is uh, even from Beeson Dr. Matthews and his wife came by and brought some cards that uh, his wife's ministry group had written handwritten and when we handed them out to different staff members and they were just so moved some to tears that people were actually praying for them and writing prayers and thinking of them so it's been that uh, a new way of offering care uh, with a lot of limitations but we've had to learn how to move those limitations um, and reminding people that Yes, your family may not be here physically, but of course they're praying for you um, and that God is with you. And, and that reminder sometimes help people when they're having uh, their, you know, their anxiety is really high, uh, that God hasn't forgotten, God is with you uh, and that he's bringing us in there to be, uh, in, you know, to stand in the gap for the family. Cecilia, I can only imagine if I was that family member, what a value it would be to know that you and or another chaplain was there with my loved ones. So thank you for, for that ministry that you um, all are doing at this time, especially. Uh, we like we like to end the podcast uh, hearing uh, what God has been teaching you on a personal level these days. Is there anything that um, you would like to share with our listeners that would encourage them in their walk with the Lord um, at all times, um, but maybe even more specifically uh, at this specific time uh, during a pandemic? The, um, all of my life, I think my favorite characteristic of God, um, I even had a bracelet uh, engraved with faithful, um, that God is faithful. And in the midst of all of this when we you know we entered this year and it was a good year we thought um everything seemed to be going up you know financially and in business and everything was really just rocking along and then we were shaken to our core um but god is not shaken i was surprised but god was not surprised and so i've been just really reminded of the faithfulness the steadfast love, the unmovable love of God. And I've seen it demonstrated in so many ways. Um, when I'm listening to the news and what's going on over the whole world and in other hospitals, even in our country, and how uh, access to very important equipment, um, ventilators and things have been not available um, but God has made that available for us. It's not because we're so good, but because he's so good, because he's so faithful and that we've been able to help our patients and be there for them. And even the ones that we've lost to be able for the families to be able to say, you did the best you could. And I'm glad that you were caring for my loved one. Um, just God's faithfulness. I continue to learn to trust him more and more. And that's uh, a lifetime <laughs> learning for me. Um, but yeah, I've seen his faithfulness and, I, and, and that experience, uh, that's one of the things that CPE talks about a lot is experiential learning. 
And um, this pandemic has thrown us all into this experience. And on the other side of it, I hope that we don't forget these lessons of how God has been faithful. That is a wonderful Christian truth. But on the other hand, in a season like this, one that we live into more and more deeply, understand the profundity of more and more all the time through difficult experience. Yeah. Thank you, Reverend Walker, for being with us. You all have been listening to the Reverend Cecilia Walker, Executive Director of Chaplaincy and Clinical Pastoral Education at Brookwood Baptist Health. We sure are glad, Reverend Walker, that you chose to be with us today and share your wisdom and experience with our audience. And we're glad to our audience members as well, or thankful to our audience members as well for being with us. Uh, we are praying for you and your health and safety. Hope you're experiencing the joy of the Lord in a more profound way than ever these days. Uh, thanks to one and all. Thanks be to the Lord who provides for us uh, in good times and in bad. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.